So where can you purchase eco-friendly fashion items from t-shirts to coats, wallets to duffel bags, and everything in between? GrapeCat.com. Better than an online shopping mall, GrapeCat.com is an online vegan retail store whose brands cause the least impact on your budget and the environment. If you believe we all should dress compassionately, visit GrapeCat.com. That's G-R-A-P-E-C-A-T.com. Hey, Grape Cats, I'm James Lucas, and welcome to episode 14 of the Grape Cat Vegan Fashion and Business Podcast. Yeah, creating a vision, seeking our passion. Grape Cat, compassion, fashion. Made in the U.S., eco-friendly. High quality without getting all spendy. We create the best, bringing it to you. Shirts, coats, wallets, everything we do. Dress with compassion, we're a vegan store. GrapeCat.com for more. Please follow us on Instagram at GrapeCats. More and more people are looking for good quality clothing, bags, and accessories that lessen the impact on our environment. GrapeCat makes it easier for you to find the top quality animal and eco-friendly products. At GrapeCat, we do the research that saves you time and money. If you're looking for products that make a difference, visit GrapeCat.com today. And while you're there, make sure to check out our events page to see where we will be next. On today's podcast, I talked to Carmela Lani Giardina and Carlo Giardina also known as the Food Duo, and owners of V Marks the Shop. Carmelo and Carlo talk about how they became vegan, why they started the Food Duo blog, and how they want it to be easier to find vegan products at V Marks the Shop. Here is Carmela and Carlo. Why did you start the Food Duo blog? So it's kind of funny. I was a part of a newlyweds group on thenest.com. We actually planned, like, I did, like, a lot of my wedding planning on thenot.com, and when you get married, you go from the knot to the nest. And on the nest, there was a um, cooking group. And all these women started blogging. And I'm like, what, the, what is a blog? I thought we were just sharing recipes. And um, I started looking at what they were doing. Really cool. And um, I said to Carla, I was like, I want to I do a blog. And i like, none of the women in the group like incorporate their husbands into it. And so Carla's like, okay, yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> And um, at the time, we weren't, well, Carla was vegetarian, but I was still eating meat at the time we had started the blog. But as I went vegetarian, after getting sick, you know, we started incorporating the vegetarian recipes. And then when we transitioned to veganism, that's when we started doing more and more vegan, of course, and pushing the meat out of the blog. Yeah, we we literally sponge the, the meat recipes. We actually went through one day, we're like, uh-oh, we have these meat recipes. So let's either, you know, delete them completely or try to veganize them. So we've tried to keep some that we've simply veganized. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it evolved over time, you know, for the for the better, of course. What do you think is just, like, a nature, the nature of the blog? And, of course, you know, with the boom of social media over the years and myself getting involved with Twitter chat from a marketing perspective, I thought it would be kind of cool to add another layer to the food duo by creating vegan food chat. Mm-hmm. and creating the hashtag around it. I was inspired, again, by the marketing chats, but as well as um, a couple of the British chats that were mm-hmm. happening, such as Vegan Hour and Vegan Recipe Hour, and not seeing one that really brought in mm-hmm. Americans. I hate to say that because it's really global, but, mm-hmm. you know, just to kind of see, there's not, there weren't a lot of Americans on these Twitter chats, and I figured, well, if we do one that's happening, you know, when we're awake and not yeah. at work... <laughs> Yeah. This this might be cool. So March of 2014, we kicked off Vegan Food Chat, and we're almost two years old with it. Yeah, it's yeah. been really cool. Really great people we've met. We've had a yeah. lot of great guests, and you know, I think it's just been a great way to educate the masses about veganism. Mm-hmm. And do you just talk about food? No, no we actually we try to really look at the concept of food as being not just what you eat but what you consume so you know you know we have people we've had talked to you know, 
topics on fashion. We've had topics on animal sponsorship and animal welfare, animal rights. We talk about all those different things. We talk about business. We've talked mm-hmm. about publishing and media. You know, we're really showing that veganism is is more than just a diet, more than just a fad or a trend. It's really a way of life. Yeah. And it's about sharing with humans and non-humans alike, you know, sharing our world. We are all part of this together. Right. And uh, I'm proud of that, too. It's not. And I mean, that's just the name, the you know, vegan food chat. But like uh, as people come in, they're surprised sometimes like, oh, we're talking about business tonight. That's great. I'm glad it's not just about food. Uh, even though that topic does come up in about every chat yeah. because there's always someone, hey, have you tried the new blah, blah, blah? And, and then it takes off from there. But uh, we've probably tackled about every topic conceivable. And we, you know, we uh, we always try to do it in a, in, a, in a gentle way. We don't do it in a judgmental way because we want everyone to come in. And, uh, we, you know, we're very welcoming to people, vegan and non-vegan. So uh, we, we like it that way. Yeah. You know, we, wanna, we want everyone to feel comfortable in our room. We've had a really good success. I've had very few problems in our room, I must say. For two years, you'd think, oh, boy, here we go. We're having another problem. We've had very few. Very, yeah. We've been pretty lucky. Yeah, we haven't really run into trolls. Yeah, you know, we had a few <laughs> trolls for a while, and then I think because we ignore them, as you would ignore a three-year-old, <laughs> they have pretty much vamoosed, and we, we don't have that problem. No, but anymore. overall, it's been, a, it's been yeah. a great experience, and we've learned a lot. Yeah. And it's helped us. I guess it's helped us in how we communicate with people. Yeah. And we like doing it, too. Taking an approach in how we're introducing people to veganism. Yep. How and why did you become vegan? A Ouija board. We just put a Ouija board that <laughs> said, go vegan. It was really weird. <laughs> so that's the answer. No. <laughs> well, if, if my, my stomach would probably say that was the Ouija board telling me to go vegan. And you have to um, obey the Ouija board. So what happened was about a year after we had gotten married, I had gotten very sick. I was having tremendous issues with my stomach and couldn't figure out why. And we're talking about being bedridden. It was really bad. And after like kind of going over these bouts that I was having, pretty much... All the times that I would have like the worst bouts of um, these stomach issues was after I was consuming eggs or chicken. Mm-hmm. And Carla was vegetarian at the time. So after going to the doctor and them not really giving me a clear diagnosis, <laughs> Carl was like, well, why don't you just try not eating chicken? You know, just see how that goes for a while and I said okay and then I kind of figured well why don't I just stop eating meat altogether and I was still eating fish and I was feeling better but I'm like I'm not really a big fish eater so I just cut fish out of my diet and so it was mainly we were eating most I would say mostly a plant-based diet but we you know we're Italian and we had a lot of cheese um, (laughs) and creamer in the coffee those were the two sticks I will say like when I gave up meat like I felt a lot better but it wasn't 100% so one day I just said to Carlo I was like well we eat a lot of vegan you know what falls under the vegan umbrella in terms of food and um, I said I want to try going vegan for a week I wasn't thinking about animal rights or anything like that. I'm just like, I want to try to go vegan. And Carl's like, okay, I'll do it with you. That week has now become six years. Yeah. <laughs> and I had, around that time, I had read, uh, I just just after that, I, I read uh, Eating Animals by Jonathan Four, And I'm like, yeah, I think we made the absolute right decision. Because it it's such a an alarming book uh, about the way the factory farming industry is and and other industries and it's like yeah we it absolutely validated our decision and then you know how it is after a while you start to connect with other vegans and we started going to sanctuaries and we met at meetup groups and went to veg fest and it all just metastasized from there we're like wow the plight of animals is, is like remarkably horrifying in the way we treat them and yeah it like I, it just it just opened up all these doors that we did not know were there you, you know? know what's just interesting um about that is that one of carlos co-workers at the time tina 
was mm-hmm. had just went vegan too. Yes. She had went vegan before. She we recommended had, the book, and too. she had recommended the book to Carlo. I wouldn't say she was like a driving force behind it, but the way that she kind of presented herself, she was from mm-hmm. Alabama, and she would talk about like you know her struggles in trying to find plant based food and stuff. And she, but then she would talk about the meals she would make, and I'm like, that just sounds so good. Mm-hmm. And then she started talking to Carlo about, you know, the plight of animals, which Carlo and I, we were aware of. We just didn't right. make the connections for ourselves. We didn't really think about it. But, think about it, you know. But when she went to him eating animals, and Carlo made some parallels with that book in the jungle, which I read, and mm. we would go back and forth and have these conversations with Tina. It was kind of like, you know, it just, it just makes sense for mm-hmm. the kind of people that we are and the way that we want to live. And we had gone with her to um, Woodstock um, uh, uh, Sanctuary, and like I was like, wow. I, I really had never been around uh, farm animals before, you know. And when you actually spend time with them, you realize how beautiful they are, and, and they're thinking, wonderful, and sensitive animals. And until you really hang around with them in that capacity and not go to a farm where you know what their plight's going to be, you have a whole different perspective on animals and that they're sentient beings, you know. And, yeah, Tina and that book had a lot to do with this. Yeah. We should probably give her more credit. We, we should do. probably tell her now and again, thank <laughs> you so much. We have, but, you know, maybe we should tell her more often, yeah. you know. And, Carla, how did you become vegetarian? I became vegetarian in college. I was dating a woman whose roommate had this poster that really grabbed me. It's, it ha- I, I don't remember exactly what it said, but in, in, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. It says something like, do you know what's in a hot dog? And it had a picture of a hot dog, and it had this list of stuff. And it was like really gross animal parts that I had no I, – I thought, oh, hot dog's just beef or, or pork or whatever. And I said, that's pretty gross. And she said, yeah, isn't it disgusting? I'm vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian for years. And she started to talk to me. She goes, have you ever considered going vegetarian? I said, nah, I've never thought of that. And then she asked me, she's like, well, do you like, you know, vegetables? I said, yeah, very much so. And she started to talk more and more with me. And she's like, why don't you give it a try? Since you like vegetables and you can modify your diet, it's worth giving a try. And I said, all right, I'll try it. And then I was vegetarian all through college. And for years and years and years, I was vegetarian. I did go off for a while. And then... I went back on while I was with Carmela and um, for several, well, I, I think I was vegetarian for like, I forgot, another three years and then we went vegan? Yeah. Something like that. But I've been vegetarian or I have not eaten meat probably, I'd say for collectively, probably about 18 to 20 years. So that's how it started with a simple poster. And a conversation with somebody. Why did you want to start V Marks the Shop? I guess there's several factors involved. One thing, I've always kind of wanted to have my own business. And I figured, hey, what a great opportunity. I can actually uh, do something I care passionately about, which is veganism, and have a business. I figured, you know, why not? I think that would be a great idea. And, and uh, I, I took the Main Street Vegan Academy course, and I was really, really inspired. I was already thinking about it, but that and going to a lot of these uh, expos and VegFests really opened my eyes and gave me the idea that maybe we should have our own business. And I just like the idea that I can, I can be my own boss and do something I really, really enjoy and spread veganism around the world. And I figured with a shop... It's a great idea. I guess that's that. That would be. Maybe you also have to backtrack a bit because um, Carlo comes from a family that's got 70, 80 years in yeah, the food industry. Food industry, yeah, it's um, kind of in our blood. His paternal grandparent, his grandfather, um, came to the country. Both his grandparents came to the U.S. from Sicily, but his grandfather started with an egg and milk cart mm-hmm. in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. That later became a grocery store. Yes, and then a pizzeria. And then later a pizzeria. One of the first in New York City. You actually had because back then. Pizza was sold out of restaurants. There weren't no actual pizzerias, or there were very, very few. And he had one of the actual first pizzerias in New York City, which I'm proud to say, you know, he was a pioneer in a lot of ways. Uh, and Carlo's dad is a classically trained French chef who I think at 
the time, at the most, at his peak, he had four restaurants operating mm-hmm. at one time. His maternal grandfather was the local butcher down in the Lower East Side yeah. of the East Village. <laughs> yeah. His uncle's in the beverage business. So yeah. Carlo's life has been around food. But I think this really comes full circle because the fact that his grand his, both his grandmother and grandfather on his father's side, you know, they had this gr- this grocery store and mm-hmm. they served their community. Yeah. And you know where they lived in that area, you know, a lot, of, you know, but back then, of course, a lot of immigrants and yeah. especially from from Italy, um, and they're providing products mm-hmm. that they wanted and that fit their lifestyle. So I think for V Marks the Shop, that's what we want to do. We're connecting with the vegan community, but we're also connecting with people that are around it. So we see V Marks the Shop as a store for everyone. Yes, it just happens to be delivery. all vegan. Right. Um, and, you know, it's a way to bring people together, it's a way to spread education you're doing something great for animals which i think you know most people inherently are good and they want to do good by other humans as well as animals a lot of people you know there's that huge disconnect that people have between what's in their hearts and what's on their plate and that you know you see that when there's a story about you know about a cat being abused people are get angry about it or they'll hear about like a a truck accident Mm. on 95 where all these cows you know were killed and they get upset about it they get angry about it but yet they're still consuming animals so we're looking at the store as a way to kind of help people make an an easier connection Mm -hmm. and bring you know bring this community spirit together that people are all in it together. People are looking to do good Mm -hmm. and, you know, care about one another. Yeah. And it'll be more than just food because we would have events and signings and all kinds of like meetups and stuff. So it will be a lot. And yeah, I, I, it, it, it's going to be special. (laughs) We're going to really, really make it special. We're going to do our best to, to make everybody, welcome. Yeah, because community is at the core, I think, yeah. and that community, we call it community compassion convenience. That's our, our little That's our little tagline. For the store, because yeah. we really see that there's all the all the connections that come into play. We, you know, looking, people are looking to do good. They want to do the least harm mm-hmm. in the world. A lot of them just don't know how to go about it. Yep. And some of them don't realize that, you know, how they spend their money really impacts the way that the community at large lives. Why do you want to have it in Philadelphia? Uh, we really like Philadelphia. Uh, many years ago, before I met Carmela, <laughs> I dated a woman down in Philly, and we would alternate weekends. She'd spend time here, I'd go there. I was really ignorant about Philadelphia. I just thought it was a land of cheesesteaks and, and uh, passionate sports fans. And she showed me that, no, it's actually a lot more sophisticated and cosmopolitan than I thought and I really really got to like it and over the years Carmel and I started to make little trips down there and we really really found it to be a fun place to go and it's also very close to New York so we figured if we ever gonna go on a quick trip it's it's an hour and a half so it's 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 really close and convenient and it's also it's a, I think it's a lot easier to set up a business in Philadelphia than it is New York, which is great because Philly is really booming right now with veganism. And I think this is the right time to go in there and do this. Well, I'm just going to say, I think and, also the, another piece, piece of it, well, I think especially for me, um, because my mom used to go to Philadelphia a lot uh, when I was growing up, and I would go on trips with her. But there was always this like really cool communal aspect mm-hmm. to it. Whether you're you know going down to South Philly to go shop at the Italian market, people get to know who you are, and mm-hmm. I always liked that. I mean, we have I grew up with a little bit of, of that up here in New York, but I really feel like that sense is strong down in Philly. People mm-hmm. are proud of their city. Yeah. People are really wanting to bring people together. I mean, there's no place is perfect. No. But the vibe that I feel that I get from Philly, 
Um, it's just more my speed, like really being in touch with the community, really, you know, wanting to see people do well, come together, celebrate their city, celebrate mm-hmm. what they're doing. And, you know, wherever neighborhood you're in, you get an element of that. You know, whether you're out in West Philly or if you're now going into New Bold or Point Breeze or, you know, even parts of, of Fishtown where, you know, all the hipsters seem to be leaving Brooklyn and going down mm-hmm. there. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that I think is still cool. It's like people really seem to care about where they live and who mm-hmm. they know and getting to know people. New York struggles with that. You know, I, you know, I've been here most of my life and I know my neighbors, but I don't know them like I used to know them. Like when I was a kid, I at least have block parties and have mm. all this great things happen. I know, I know my neighbors by sight. I don't know who they are, where I'm in Philly and everywhere mm-hmm. I seem to go, people know each other. Yeah. I've met a lot of really cool people over the years too that we've become friendly with and uh i'm sure that once we make the move down there we're gonna meet even more great people but everyone has been very very sweet down there and very supportive it's a very very uh, strong community down there vegan and non-vegan and uh i just like it it's just a, a cool town you know and uh it's it's the right place for us i think we want to change from new york and philly is dialing it up for us yeah, like we're one of those people. Like we're not suburb, we're not suburban. I no, we tried, but it. we're it not. Wasn't for us. We're not, but at the same time, the we're not like big. We're not metropolis people. Yeah, I'll put it like that. Like I could deal. I love cities. Like I love being yeah. in the urban terrain, as they call it. But I, you know, New York is New York hasn't been my thing for a while. I just happened to be living here. And there's also Blackbird Pizza. That's all, yes. <laughs> hey, they got a Blackbird Pizzeria, man. That's, you can just go in there and get whatever the heck you want. How would you explain Kickstarter to a newcomer? Emotional. That's the best word. That's the best word. I mean, I, I think it's great that there are platforms out there like Kickstarter and Indiegogo, even Kiva, you know, that really, you know, you can tap into a community of people that want to support you and they could be your friends, family or somebody you've never met who just loves the idea of what mm-hmm. you're doing and to be able I'll, I'll put from the investor side of it because I've given to a number of campaigns is it's great to see what's coming next on the horizon mm-hmm. on the other side being somebody that's looking for the investment it's exciting to see how many people that you don't know you're meeting new people through this and they are cheering for you i knew it would be emotional because i'm someone that i would i try to do everything on my own and i really had to learn to ask people for help and people that you thought you would rely on to help a lot of them Um, you know just don't just aren't able to (laughs) you know for whatever ask reason for it and so having these things like different crowdfunding platforms i don't think there's like a clear art to them a lot of it has to come down to timing and what you're trying to do and what you're asking for and what you're going to do with what you're asking for. Communication is very big. So yeah. if you're not somebody that likes to communicate, you may have to kind of get somebody in to help you mm-hmm. <laughs> to communicate. But to answer the question is, you know, what is Kickstarter to somebody that's new? It's a way, it's a way to get funding through the community without feeling you have to jump through hoops, even though you you still may have you to jump do. through yeah. hoops. Yeah. But it's that it it's a feeling that, you know, there's a communal aspect to it and there's people that actually care about what, what you do mm-hmm. and take an interest. Now if you make your goal or not, that that there's so many factors that go into that. Mm-hmm. And every campaign is different. What's the biggest lesson you've learned about raising money on Kickstarter? Timing. I would say for myself is part of it is not to just assume that the community at large is going to just simply support you. You have to really communicate well and you got to get the word out there. There's been times where like I'll put it out in a, uh, you know, like in a Facebook page and 
you know, I probably put it at the wrong time of day and a lot of people didn't see it. And you also have to like really research it to make sure that people are seeing your message because if they don't know you have a Kickstarter, they're not going to give you anything. So I would say a combination of the timing and communication. It's really, really, really important that you communicate it clearly and everyone knows that you have it because then your odds of, of reaching that goal become exponentially better. I think also you have to, which we, which I think we, if we look back on it, like we should have done, done ourselves, is kind of look at the economical landscape of what's going on. Yeah. Because this, this past season, because we did it during the holiday, where maybe not last year, but maybe the year before, people were more apt to give. Mm-hmm. And we thought, okay, well, last year, not this past year, but the holiday before, maybe it was a bit of a phenomenon where it was a struggle for people to give. Because, you know, the, com- the economy seemed to be doing better, but really not so much. Mm-hmm. So we thought, okay, maybe last year was a bit of a phenomenon. I mean, the e-commerce industry was still growing. People were giving. It seemed that people were, were more up apt to giving. You know, looking at people, a lot of market to millennials because millennials are seem to be people that are more community-oriented and they're looking to do more good and so on and so forth. But even a lot of the nonprofits were really having a hard time. I mean, nonprofits and retail, you're looking at two different industries but they make a bulk of their money during mm-hmm. this time for the, for the year people were just really really tight this year yeah. and that and that's not beyond their control and it's also beyond our control oh, yeah, yeah. totally understanding and you too. know we've talked to people and you know we don't know that there are a couple of things you probably could have done better for the most part we i think we did a lot of right in it yeah. it just was a matter of you know what kind of things could we've done to connect more or was the timing yeah. a big issue? And I think timing played a big role in in this case. Now I give one piece of advice to anyone who's thinking about doing Kickstarter. It's almost becomes like a like a full time job. It's so much. It's a lot because you got to constantly monitor. You have to do updates. If you're if you're in a position where you can take some days off, especially at the beginning and the end of the Kickstarter, I would set that aside. I I would maybe take. If you can take a week off the first week and a week off the last week, that would probably help you a lot because that's when the bulk of the money comes in, especially the beginning. And at the end, you have this little push and you have time. You don't have to be checking your emails at work and all that. So I would do I would do those and, and some fundraisers, too. If you can do some fundraisers to uh, get people to uh, contribute, that would help. But uh, see what – you know, I, I would – that would be a two pieces of advice I would give. I also would add um, to that is the fact that um, people forget, even though it's online, you do have to go offline mm-hmm. to get to get your fundraising done. Yep. Um, so whether it's you're you know doing a fundraiser or you're just attending a, an event and getting to know people in the local community that you want to support you even like picking up the phone and calling somebody <laughs> and yeah. saying hey we have a campaign it's kind of like an election season you know yeah, like, like you know without without doing robo calls because those don't work no 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 <laughs> robo calls for, you know, no vegan robo you actually you know it's like almost like a move on kind of thing like moveon.org yeah. you're gonna have to call people on a list and see yeah. if they can give you know like i i, I felt like pbs yeah, like I was at PBS or something. Like you know, you know. Well, yeah. you know, if you make a donation today, we'll give <laughs> you, you get a, a free toaster. Yeah, <laughs> and we we both don't like asking favors of people. I really, really don't like it. I feel very uncomfortable. But yeah, you, you have to. You have to. And like Carmela said earlier, if you really don't want to, or it's a real struggle, then you got to get somebody to do it for you. You, you can't be afraid. And and mo- I'd say ninety nine percent of the people I've asked said. Why is it a problem you're asking? I'm glad you're asking me. I feel honored that you're you're asking me for help. And um, you, you you can't be afraid to ask, or else I, honestly, it's not going to work. Um, and I, I doesn't matter what platform you use, crowdfunding, you, it's not going to work unless you ask people. And don't be afraid. 
And don't be afraid to have a team help you. You really yeah. can't. You really can't do it on your own. No, like I, no. I mean, I know want like a couple of people. If you're doing a small amount, maybe on your own is okay. But it really isn't something that one person can do because you'll if you see on social media, people are asking, "Please share my campaign." Mm-hmm. It might be one person behind the campaign, but they're asking people. Yep. So that's a huge thing. Like. You know, it's it's really a community effort, and you really need to, like, have, like, a little team of support. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I would add is that after the campaign is over, okay. no matter if it's a success or what, you really need to take some time to distress and yes. and relax. So if you yeah, can like go that. away for a couple of days and get away from the computer. Go to Mount Airy Lodge for it. three days, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Just get away for a few days, whether you make it or not. Uh, we did that, and it, we were better for it. I think we could it. write a book. We've yes. given, we said so much on we what just, we've just learned. Just have to get away for a few days. So whether it's Vegas or whatever, whatever place you like, just get away for a few days. Yeah. Who has had a tremendous impact on you? My mom. I know that sounds so cheesy. <laughs> like my mom. No, you know what? For me, like I grew up in a single parent home. Uh, my mom worked like my mom worked for the department of corrections for new york state so uh she would have like some crazy hours sometimes and um my grandma would watch you know would take care of me when my mom was at work until my grandmother passed away and then my aunt gertrude would step in and help out um but my mom did so much to make sure that i you know was taken care of you know she made sure I went to good schools she made sure I had whatever I needed she didn't really she didn't really feel like she was limited when I would ask for things of course there's stuff like no you can't do that but you know she made sure you know I had the best chance at opportunities because I faced a lot of obstacles growing up you know my for, I was biracial so I had I was, I still am, I'm not dead. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm I'm half Italian, half black, and I've gotten gotten crap on both sides. And I've experienced prejudice, and my mom, you know, taught me lessons of how to overcome it. My mom, my mom's older than, you know, a typical mom of a person of my age. So my mom grew up in the South, you know, she, you know, being African-American, she wasn't allowed to sit at the lunch counters and, you know, she participated in protests and rallies and stuff. I learned a lot from her. And I think in terms of being an entrepreneur, my mom's my mom may have worked for the state, but my mom was very strong-minded when it came to business. Um, she's, my mom's almost 80 <laughs> and she manages a building a, a co-op she's very big you know on community activities she's a part of many organizations she's had like president and secretary and those kind of titles so i've learned a lot from her in terms of how to manage business and educating myself trying to build up confidence to do the things that I want to do in life. Uh, for myself, it'd be my parents. Um, I have two very, very beautiful, wonderful, supportive, and selfless parents. I wasn't the easiest kid to raise. <laughs> I definitely challenged them. Uh, honestly, not purposely. I really didn't know any better. I had very, very, very bad depression growing up. And I think a lot of it was organic, and I was very different than a lot of kids, and my parents were always supportive, and they've always tried to instill in me, it's okay to be different. You don't have to be like everybody else. Uh, my dad in particular has always been kind of an individual. He's always kind of went against the grain and um, in a lot of areas, and that really, really rubbed off on me. Like, for example, we're, um, we're, we're not a religious family. And I know that to some people growing up in New Jersey, where I grew up, that was kind of shocking. And my dad's like an open atheist, and I am too. And I remember he would, um, you know, he would say, it's okay. It's, it's okay to be different than everybody else. Matter of fact, it's refreshing when you're different. And um, he used to have a poster on the wall. Again, another influence from a poster. <laughs> and it was a bunch of, if I remember correctly, it was uh, 
a whole group of oranges and it was like one apple and it said, be yourself. And uh, something as simple as that really, really influenced me. And um, that, I, I'd say my parents, and believe it or not, <laughs> the Ramones. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, I used to watch, if anyone grew up in North Jersey, or, or actually probably most of Jersey, <clears throat> remember the Uncle Floyd show? Channel 68, UHF. It was a local show that was kind of modeled after um, Soupy Sales. And it was this crazy, funny show. And I remember watching it as a kid. And I remember this, like, motorcycle gang came on with guitars. I'm like, who the heck are these guys? And it was the Ramones. And I was like, wow, that was amazing. I've never seen anything like that. And ever since then, I'm like, I felt that it's okay to be different. It's okay to like music that you don't really hear on the radio. It's okay to look different. And, like, punk rock was a real big influence on me and i used to go to punk shows and i've, I've got a tattoo of the of the misfits on my arm and the ramones opened that door for me i know it sounds silly but the band really did make an impact on me a lot i thought they were like the coolest thing and uh you know my dad didn't really care for them that much but he's like it's okay to like them though because i, I get it they're different and um they're not i don't know whatever band was popular at the time that was like mainstream in, in pop so uh, I would say my parents and the Ramones are probably the biggest influence on my life. And Carmela too. <laughs> She's had, she had a big influence on me as well. What is the one behavior or trait that you've seen derail more vegans? Yeah, probably uh, bad experiences and not having support. I think support is extremely important. And unfortunately, there are some vegan or people who go vegan who come across people who might be a little judgmental. It's not a lot of people, but there are some out there, and it only takes one that can actually derail a person and make them think that, oh my goodness, are they all like this? People have to have support, and if they don't have a support system via social media or meetups or just a person in their family or friends, it, it's a lot harder to to become vegan and stay vegan. Um, that's why social media and, and meeting people and talking to people is really, really important, especially at the beginning. So I would say support. Lack of support is probably well, one of the top reasons. Well, I think what I see is, and I know you said one, but I, I see two. One is the trend chasers. So if you're somebody that part of your characteristic or your behavior is to go after trends, you're limiting yourself from really learning about a vegan lifestyle and seeing it for more than what it is. Mm -hmm. It's not just, oh, some celebrities on a hot new diet and it doesn't include yeah. any any animal product. Because what happens is what, what if that celebrity goes off that diet? Oh, well, they're not doing it anymore. I'm not going to do it. And the other thing is that you know, where there are people that are seen as trend chasers or who are trend chasers. And the other issue is that, that veganism becomes something that needs to be attained rather than something that mm. develops and grows within you. So I think if you see some see veganism as something that's attainable and you're trying to strive for that Yeah, I know. You know, Not it sure. kind of it kind of hurts the it hurts the movement really. The other thing that I see is the people that, and I, I, I guess it's ego, right? Um, the people that are judgmental because they believe that their their approach to veganism is the only way. People come to veganism from many different channels, from many different perspectives. You know, whether it's from health, from a certain social, you know, social, you know, uh, ethics kind of aspect whether it's animal rights or animal welfare or, you know, something with the environment, what if it's for religion, you know, there's so many ways that people come into mm -hmm. it. And if you have tunnel vision and you only think that the way that you came into it is the only way to go, at some point, people get frustrated. Mm -hmm. And you turn people off, but you might turn yourself off. Yeah. And forget even the root cause of why you came into veganism. I, I see two different... Mm -hmm. And some people will ask, they'll say like, are you still on that vegan diet? It's like, it's, it's not a diet. You know, I try to explain to some people, it's not like an Atkins diet where like, yeah, I'm sticking to it. It's, it's so much more than that because like she said, it comes from within. And um, 
it's hard to it's hard to explain somebody in a in a few minutes who who might not know about it. It's hard to give them a really well informed answer. I mean, you can do the best you can, but uh, sometimes it's difficult to uh, get across why you're doing what you're doing. You know, because it takes backstory and it takes some work. You have to like meet people and talk, and then it becomes it, it's not as foreign to people when they start um, talking to others. Yeah, but, because um, most of us, most of us humans anyway. Um, who go, who become vegan, weren't born vegan, right. you know, or so, yeah. you know, there is a backstory to it rather than, mm -hmm. you know, I was born and my parents just gave me plants to eat, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, we, we had to learn these things and, mm -hmm. you know, for many of us, you know, the way that we come into it, like I came into it because of health and then I learned as I went, there's something that connected to, with me. And from that, when I really looked at veganism for the basis, base of it was more compassion, mm -hmm. I think that's really what helped it thrive within me yeah. um, rather than, you know, the fact that I was sick and I was trying to find a way to heal myself when the doctor couldn't. What are the biggest lies, myths, and misconception about me veganism? That it's an exclusive lifestyle exclusive from economics exclusive from some sort of dogma whatever it's not at all veganism is a way of living that is quite diverse just from looking at the way that people come into it we all have our own different stories we all have our own different backgrounds and Sadly, we don't see a lot being promoted around the diverse nature of veganism. You know, when people, when they hear vegan, a lot of people think of a white, you know, skinny waif, hippie, whatever. You know, they're not looking at the many cultures and colors that are, that make the vegan community. So I have to appreciate people like AFCO that come up with, you know, uh, Black Vegans Rock, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I, I love that there's more attention to it, that people are seeing um, that it's not just some homogeneous kind of commune yeah. <laughs> of whatever. You know, it, we, I think what we really should be celebrating it again is more of the diverse nature of it. And I also think the other part of it is that when they're seeing that it's an exclusive lifestyle, especially from a socioeconomic perspective, is I think the only rich people could be vegan. That is so far from the truth. Like, we have, you know, bodegas around here that I can find vegan stuff. You know, I can buy, I can go around the corner and I can get what I need for, you know, a couple of days for under 20 bucks. <laughs> I don't have to go to Whole Foods. I don't have to run over to Trader Joe's. I can get what I need in my in my neighborhood. I have choices, so I, if I choose not to shop in my neighborhood, I can do that too. People don't have to feel like, oh, it's this. It's so expensive to be vegan, which it's so far from the truth. Like I got, I got really upset when there was that New York Times article about vegans going glam. Like really, like unless. Gary Glitter came out at some point that said he was yeah. vegan and he's a he's garbage. But, <laughs> but you know, like I am like, no, this is not. You know, it's great if you that you created a lifestyle that you can be affluent and you can you know live as expensively as you want. But let's get down to real people. That, Vegans are real people. They're not celebrities. They're not, you know, we have vegan celebrities, but they're not celebrities. Like, the whole, they're everyday people. And I think if we really approached and shown people that, you know, veganism is for everyone, and that's what we want to do at V-Mark the Shop, it doesn't matter, you know, how much money you make. You can, you can live a life without harming other animals, humans and non-humans alike, you know, be appreciative for the diverse world that surrounds you, mm -hmm. 
And, uh, you know, it, it, money's not the root of veganism. And I really wish people yeah. would get away from that. What is a step someone could take today to become vegan? Well, first of all, educating themselves. I mean, mm. if you have access to the internet in searching the word vegan, you know, that's a start right there. Understanding that you have choices. Mm-hmm. You don't feel limited. Um, if, you know, there are there's so many ways you can do it. I, I'm very big on the community aspect of it because I've been involved with a number of meetup groups and stuff. So going to a meetup, sharing a meal with people is a great way for somebody who's just interested in going vegan to learn. Because one of the big, especially if you're in a big city and you're new to that city and you're trying to change the way you live, it could be pretty scary. <laughs> you know, if you don't know the right, if you don't know anybody if you don't know where to go. So meetup groups, I think, are a great way to introduce somebody to a vegan lifestyle, just to plant-based food, whatever. Another thing is potlucks. Like, you know, get your friends together. Try, you know, you heard about jackfruit? Let's have a jackfruit party. Like, those kind of things, you know, really tap, really become educational because you start having conversation. I don't know how many conversations where we started with food and we end up talking about like we end up talking about race relations. Like we, <laughs> we have like, kind of you know, or, or we're talking about punk music, but it starts with like we're eating this really good vegan food and we've ended up, you know, learning that we learn more about the people around us. I think another way also, I mean, social media is so great in how we have access to information. Of course, you know, you do have to weed through a lot of that noise and nonsense that you see. It can be eye-opening, you know? Like, I think one of the great things is one of the Facebook groups that I'm an admin for. Um, it's called Power to the Veg. Over 5,000 members. And, you know, it's always nice to see when somebody comes along and, like, I'm, an, I'm newly vegan and I want to learn, show, you know, can you share recipes with me? And then to see, like, six months later that they're doing the same for somebody else. Wow, exciting. You know? It's not a cult. I want don't no, want people no. to think that we're a cult. We're no. trying to pull you in. It's just, it's just kind of organic how that happens, though. Like... You come into a, some sort of group or some sort of group setting and you learn and then you're sharing with others. As long as you're doing it like in a compassionate, friendly way, it just becomes like a, it becomes fluid and just people mm-hmm. go along, go along for the ride. Yeah, we've had one of our members that was a friend of mine and she was vegetarian and I asked her to come into the group and she she was hesitant about it, but then once she got in, she was all in. And so she became vegan. Her parents were really sick. She had them go go vegan, and they got better. She moves to Texas, meets this guy, and turned him vegan. So there is definitely some power in, yeah. in becoming... Uh, uh, there's some support in a group, and it really enforces what you... Um, it really enforces that you've made the right choice. Yeah, yeah I agree and, with that. And I think the, the approach is very important when somebody's considering being vegan. I think it's very important to uh, the way you do it is, is all important. Like you can't, I, I, I would definitely say try not to overwhelm them because they probably don't have a lot of knowledge yet. And if, I know it's exciting when you when you come across somebody who wants to go vegan, and um, sometimes people want to throw. Oh, you got to try this. You got to try that. You got to go to this place. That try not to like try to maybe uh, curtail that a bit because you don't want to overwhelm somebody either because it's it's a big decision and it's the right decision of course, um, but it's definitely something that they need to ease into. I I, I would say that like if. If you're going to cook something for them, maybe cook something that's a little bit more closely related to what they eat, like a like a, a vegan burger and fries or something like that. Maybe don't hit them right up with a quinoa, this 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 and that sandwich. You know, I would ease them in and definitely um, because they're going to probably have they're going to have questions on their own. So I would say that I would say definitely don't stack their plate with too much at first, and then as they start getting. Uh, more curious and start to learn more, then you can, 
ease the information into them because yeah. it's a big because especially if you go online there's so many sites and there's so many things it's like wow where do I start and that's why it's really important to try to give people a more of a clear path for them and um, well, support to... is really really important like, it's everything Carlo and I are both vegan lifestyle coaches um, we were certified through Main Street Vegan Academy which is run by Victoria Moran and we've learned a lot in terms of how we approach people and how mm -hmm. we have conversations against the same thing that we learned through Vegan Food Chat and how we learned through our blog. You know, there are people who really, they, they respond really well to the hard-hitting facts. And there are people that you have to kind of approach very softly. So I think a part of a part of it is getting to know the person mm -hmm. where they are in their journey, where they are in their life, getting, you know, before, like, you decide, I'm going to show you some videos or <laughs> I'm going to yeah. make you eat all this food, which I don't think I've ever had to force feed anybody because the food's been good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I think it's really, you know, um, about getting to know people. It's not like you're not there to sell veganism as, you know, to make a sales pitch. Right, right. You know, you're there to help somebody on their journey, introduce, you know, where they are and how, and make them feel comfortable in saying that they made the right choice. Because, you know, you do get a number, a lot of people that will try it for a while. Something happens in their life. They go back to consuming animals and leaving how they were living before. Some never come back, and then some do. And then when they do, you know, try to be a support system mm -hmm. for them to help them get to back where they want to be. It's kind of, it happens in life, no matter if you're vegan or not. There's something that can happen that will shake up what, what path you're on, yep. you know, and... I think it's just really being able to be a support, you know, an extended support system to somebody who wants to make that change. When you meet someone, is there a book or a movie you suggest to them? Uh, there's not one. I I, uh, I just usually I, I actually don't really recommend those off the off the uh, off the bat. Down the road, if they're interested and they ask me, hey, can you recommend a movie or a book? Then I'll I would tell them. Well, Vegetate, it's very good. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, it depends, like, like Carmelo said, it depends on what they want, what they're looking for, you know. And uh, I, I would say Vegetate, that's a, that's a pretty good starting, um, a, a good movie to start with. And books, you know, that's a tough one because there's so many different books. And, like, Eating Animals is one of them that I would recommend, but maybe not off the bat or, or I don't know. That, that's a tough question. I think, again, it goes to the person, but I think, like, for me, you know, I, and I, I've, um, I've, I've, you know, recommended books for, like, you know, the sexual politics of me or the or the pornography of me from mm -hmm. Carol Adams. I recommended um, even just reading a cookbook. Yeah. Like, you know, if you want a great, you know, check out a great cookbook, you know, pick up. I'll throw out just Miyoko's homemade vegan That's pantry, you know, like book, just yeah. you know, kind of like just get to know where people are, mm -hmm. um, and what they're wanting to learn. You know, uh, it's easy to say, you know, you know, get living the farm sanctuary life by mm -hmm. Jean Bauer. It's a great book, you know, but it might not be the book that they want. They want to connect to veganism in a certain right uh, from a certain perspective, so. You know, there's so many resources out there. You know, films like Blackfish and Cowspiracy have done damn well, you mm -hmm. know, to really capture people's attention. Four Silver Knives is a good one. Yeah, it's, you know what these, like, these films and books, I like is how it's getting the word vegan into people's vocabulary. Mm -hmm. I think the moment that word enters somebody's vocabulary, there's something connecting to want them to make a change and they just have to figure out how they want to make that change and again getting that support system to help them continue on that path what has been your biggest struggle well carl knows my what my biggest struggle was early on <laughs> in terms of um family acceptance mm -hmm. and you know 
my mom's side is from South Carolina. My dad's side is from from Italy. So not having my dad around for most of my life was kind of good. I didn't have to deal with what some of Carlo had to deal, you know, in terms of making jokes and missing Sunday dinners yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, you do be I've gotten ostracized a bit by a family member because of choices that I made not to eat animals, not to wear animals, to be vegan and they it's Part of it is the decision to for, for them to stay ignorant and not ask questions. Going to ego and being offended if I brought my own food. <laughs> but over the years, it, it's gotten better. Like, for instance, when I got my master's degree this, this past year after graduation, we went to Candle Cafe West in here in New York with my mom and my, my Aunt Gertrude and my Uncle Frank. Now, my Uncle Frank is a dude that would hunt and fish and what have you. He eats he eats ostrich and, you know, all things that I would just cry if I had to see him eat it. But we took him to Candle Cafe West. He, like, went nuts over how good the food was. And he's like, this is the stuff you eat? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, so um, I think it was, like, the next day he called my mom and, like, really shocked about how good the food was. He was still talking about it. He's like, I have to tell everybody about it. When do you think we could go back? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think now, like, they're, you know, they're a little more receptive. Most, you know, a good number of my relatives are a little bit more receptive to the fact that I've always been different but the fact that I don't eat what I don't eat animals they're like okay I I get it now I get it now but yeah in the beginning it was like you cannot come to family functions (laughs) because because of how you choose to live and what you choose to eat so I think that was what my biggest struggle early on I guess for me it's um yeah, just some people's reactions. You know, some people would make like jokes they thought they were being funny, and co- of course they're not. They're not being original like they think they are. <laughs> uh, but I'll say this: that I stood my ground, and I always stand my ground, and uh, I I try not to get the reaction that they're looking for. And it, I think it's worked. And that that was a struggle at first because there were there were times I just wanted to kind of lash out and say, "All right, knock it off," or use saltier language than that, and I decided not to do that because if you do that, then they're going to keep doing it. And I've noticed that even some of the people I know who have like teased me over the years, they don't do it nearly as often, and they've even gone as far as um, telling me, hey, I saw an article you might be interested in uh, about veganism, or hey, I was actually at a restaurant at this place, and I tried coconut bacon, and I got to admit, it was really, really good. So like... I, I think that that was probably the largest struggle, like just not giving in to the, the low-hanging fruit of people wanting to bust your chops and and um, try to get under your skin, you know. And, uh, you know, I just after a while, I just, you know, I'm not going to give in to it. And it's worked so far, I would say. It's worked so well that this is stuff that yeah. he got from his Philly friends yeah. for a number of years. And his one friend in particular who gave us some hardest time was the one that told us about you gotta go check out that crazy coconut bacon at memphis tap room the best <laughs> i've ever had and he's also and and to their credit some of the guys who would like tease me have actually given to the kickstarter they're like i'm not going to be vegan but you know what you're you know i know it's important to you and they've actually come around and they've, they've given generously so uh, i would say that was the biggest struggle to bite my tongue and just give them a more civil response to that. Like, come on, I, you know that's not far. You know this is important to me. And then it's actually worked. So I would say that was the biggest struggle is my reaction to people. Yeah, one of my friends uh, was used to tease me about eating sh- eating chicken and she loved shrimp and fish. And then she started dating a, a vegan so now now when he gets comments on his page she's like why are these people being so mean i'm like you used to be mean like that to me so it's just total revenge that now she's starting to see what she 
she was participating in. Yeah, what I, my latest zinger sometimes is like when people say, "Well, I love my my pig or I love my lamb." I say, "Well, you know, you're you're more closely related to the pig than you are cauliflower." And then they look at me like, "Oh, wow. I never thought of it that way." <laughs> like, as you know, pigs have a very similar and, you know, um digestive system was and their intelligence and and, and they, they kind of give me a funny look like uh i never thought of that what has been your biggest victory i wouldn't say there's one all crowning victory my um, mom went plant-based for three months that was a shocker <laughs> i don't think there's one thing that stood out it's just little victories that yeah, add up i would victories, say yeah. i would say the amount of little victories we've had over the years collectively in different categories would equal one big one. But I can't think of one big one except for maybe that one. That was kind of big. I think for me, so I suffer from a bit of social anxiety. Carla would tell you I used to have a very hard time in public. Mm -hmm. Like even ordering at a restaurant, I would make him order for me and... I came across as such a gentleman. I'd order for my lady. <laughs> but they thought, they just thought I was being a gentleman. Yeah. Little did they know. Little did they know. <laughs> but I think because I, I learned so much in my own, with my own battles here, you know, like with my health and what I ran into with my family, that I just learned, you know, I needed to speak up more for not just myself but for the animals as well. And I think I've developed my voice, which I think is still in, you know, I'm still a work in progress, but I think I found a great bit of my voice and who I am when I went vegan and that I could really speak on it and share with others. So I think that's, that's definitely a victory for me to be more outgoing. I'm still an introvert. But <laughs> be more to be more outgoing, to be able to speak up more, more, to stand up for myself. I think I've become a lot more confident than say I was like eleven years ago when when I met him. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's definitely been something. And Carlos helped me out so much. So if he didn't suggest that I go vegetarian uh, when I was sick, I think. We'd be, you'd be talking to a whole different person. You probably wouldn't even be talking to me. I mean, be perfectly honest. What are you grateful for? I'm grateful for my family, like especially Carlo. Aww. Aww. <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful for the experiences I had, like before I went vegan, because I could talk about things, you know, in the pre-vegan days. But I, I reflect a lot on what I grew up with. And I look for the connections that I make to veganism and in learning about people. So I have like, you know, I guess part of it because I have my, my bachelor's was in psychology, so I learned a lot and I was going to get my master's in that field. But um, really looking at like social connections, I think it's just learning about people. I think that's what, that's really what's, what's worked. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, I'd say my, uh, you know, of course, Carmela and my parents, my brother, my my nieces, my sister-in-law and my best friend, Dave, who's actually not vegan. And he did go vegan briefly, which was cool. But <laughs> I wish he was vegan, but I don't care either way because he's a great guy. So those are the people who are really, really important to me and, you know, keep me going. Yeah, I think friends, too, like the friends yeah. that we've made. Totally. You know, I think it's weird. Like, I've connected so much more with childhood friends because of my going vegan. <laughs> so these are friends that I've had, like, going back to when I was five years old. And I don't think if I... I also think I don't think I would have the connections that I have with them now if I didn't go vegan. Does that make sense? Like, it's kind of weird how that happened. But hmm. if they're not vegan, well, one is. One is. One yeah. is. <laughs> it's just that I've been, I've been more open to talk to them and talk about what we grew up with and telling funny stories and then kind of relating that to where I am now. So I think my friends, like, you know, have helped a mm -hmm. lot. 
whether it's like shaping me who the person that I am or like why I've gone vegan. Mm -hmm. What is the best way for people to contact you? Contact us um, through our website. So for the Food Duo, you can go to thefoodduo.com. Uh, we're on social media. So the Food Duo, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Um, for V Marks the Shop, our website is vmarkstheshop.com. Um, we're also V Marks the Shop on all over social media as well mm -hmm. um or you could just shoot us an email yeah and um, we also have uh, we sell the shirt and tote bag on uh etsy too we're also on etsy oh, as well. yeah for v marks the shop but you can yeah. email us at um info at v marks the shop .com, mm -hmm. uh, or the food deal at the food com, or just drop us a line on social media yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, or if you if you know we're going to be somewhere and you're in your in our area, pop in and say hi. You know, if you because we we usually blast that stuff. Hey, we're going to such and such a signing, or uh, we're we've even been there's even been times where like, hey, we're going to go to Champs Diner. Anyone want to join us? So you know, if you happen to be in the area, pop on in and say you know, share a table with us. We like that. You know. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for listening to the Grape Cat Vegan Fashion and Business Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find the show notes at grapecat.com. Do us a favor before you go, please take a few seconds to rate this podcast. It is a key way to get this podcast higher in the ranks, which will make it more accessible to people who truly need this information. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Make sure you never miss a future episode of this podcast by subscribing. If you have any questions or guest ideas, please send them to podcast at grapecat.com. Thank you for dressing compassionately. Yeah, creating a vision, seeking our passion. Great cat, compassion, fashion. Made in the U.S., eco-friendly. High quality without getting all spendy. We create the best, bringing it to you. Shirts, coats, wallets, everything we do. Dress with compassion, we're a vegan store. Grapecat.com for more.